Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode 432 of So You Want to Be a Writer. My name's Valerie Koo, and I'm your co-host and CEO of the Australian Writers' Centre, where you'll find wonderful writing courses and a fantastically supportive writing community. I'm here with my co-host, Alison Tate, also known as A.L. Tate, author of The Wolf's Howl, which is her latest book in the Maven and Reeve series. How are you, Al? I'm okay, thanks, Val. I'm. I can't. I cannot lie. I'm gonna. I could try to kind of muster up enthusiasm for life, but I can't. Fair to middling. <laughs> That's what it is, right here, right now. Great. <laughs> well, you know, I, look honestly, I defy any parent who is, um, you know, currently trying to manage a couple of kids you know, even older kids in, uh, at, you know, under remote learning conditions mm. with one of them doing their HSC trials mm. remotely to mm. have any kind of remote enthusiasm for anything. <laughs> fair enough, fair enough. Well, what have you yeah. been up to apart from that? Well, I, look, you know, like last week I was full of the joys of life, wasn't I? Because it was yeah. kind of, you know, I was in the middle of book week and I was looking forward to coming to the other side of it and I was ready to write and I've got my characters. And so far I have spent like just days and days and days doing admin. Uh, so I haven't quite got to where I want to be, which may be the reason for my fair to middling, you know, status. Um, but I am working, you know, ever forward towards that. And I will say that one of the highlights of last week was that in your kids next read we held a we held a virtual book week parade and uh i've got to tell you it was amazing why because it was just amazing we had like 250 people 250 entrants into the oh, cool. into the parade all kids dressed up as um all kids dressed up as uh, various you know characters what was um, your favorite outfit my fave ah, oh, there was a there was a girl who was dressed as the secret garden, like the actual <laughs> secret garden, the whole garden. Yeah. Like it was extraordinary. Yeah. She had um, sewn all of these, you know, stuck. However, she did it because according to to mum, she did it herself. She had stuck all of these um, flowers that they had, you know, bought like fake flowers all over the skirt of this of this green dress, and she had made herself into a garden. Um, which was amazing. But the thing that made me laugh the most, and this uh, you will find hilarious, is that while this was all unfolding in one section of our of our community, over in another section of the community, there was a whole bunch of, of adults who also dressed up for book week because they were teacher librarians or teachers or, you know, interested parents or, you know, whatever they were doing. And they were like, we, we need our own thread. So I had to create... <laughs> Love to it. create Love an it. official book week parade for grown-ups in the Your Kids Next Read. It was hilarious. <laughs> Did you have a favourite out, adult outfit? Uh, my favourite adult outfit was uh, Megan Daly dressed as Ma- as Maven oh, from the Maven and Reeve yes. Mysteries. You know, that, that had already <laughs> happened and so yeah. I was, you know, I'd already hit peak peak book week at that point um but yeah they were look honestly and there were 140 entrants in that section <laughs> so just, oh that's insane book week is big it's fun it's it like sure is. it is it's like you know book love on steroids it was brilliant anyway see look i'm cheered up imme- immeasurably already just talking just about thinking it. about just it. thinking just about, about it, it. Yeah. well what about we you want what have you to... been doing oh what have i been doing oh yeah, i'm battered and bruised what 
Why? I'm battered and bruised. You should see. I'm looking at my arms now. Mm-hmm. And at first I thought, oh, have I like got texture on it on myself or something that I haven't washed off properly? But it's not. There's bruises everywhere because as many people will know, we moved not that long ago. But it's almost like we've moved again twice since we moved because we moved in put everything in all the relevant places and then about, I don't know, six weeks ago decided to move everything around again, like everything. And then on the weekend decided to do it all again, moved every stick of furniture again except for the bed and the dining area. But why, every why other piece of furniture. Why did you do that? Into all well, different rooms or into yeah, different, just yeah. into different and locations? Yeah, well, yeah, entire rooms moved. Um And when you do that, though, because you kind of think, oh, well, it's just some furniture, but it's not just some furniture because then you've got to move all the associated shelves and cupboards and clothes and books, the books and all of that, right? So I really got to work out. And I was just looking at myself, as I said, in the mirror, didn't realize how bruised I got as a result of being a removalist for the last three days. Did you just decide that everything, like how... Did you just like, had you just completely got all the rooms wrong? Like this is the living room. Let no, no, this is supposed you. to be the bedroom. Like, how, <laughs> how do you, how does that even happen? Because when we moved, I relegated mm-hmm. my partner's electronic recliner chair, <laughs> mm-hmm. the one-seater and the three-seater, they both are electronically reclined. into the depths of, you know, the house. He decided he needed them to be pride of place. And once you move something of that nature that that is that large into a certain space, it has a domino effect to the rest of the house because other stuff's got to move. Like just bringing this back to the point of this podcast, this is like writing. This is what happens. (laughs) This is exactly – you are playing out in real time exactly what happens – when you move the recliner from chapter one yes. and you put it in chapter five and yes. then you realise that everything else has to move around it. Everything. Yeah. Everything. And it's not just an easy edit, it's a rewrite. No, it is a rewrite. So you've rewritten mm. your whole house. Yeah, pretty much. Only the bed and the dining area have remained intact. That's hilarious. Yeah, the pets are very confused but, you know, I'll well, get over anyway, it. so <clears throat> there's still quite a lot of tidying. I'm still playing a lot of pick up put and put down. Shout out to Susanna Hardy who says that she now gets her kids to play pick up put down, and it's quite <laughs> effective. Uh, so yeah, I'm still for those for the uninitiated. Pick up put down is when I pick up something and I'm not allowed to put it down till it goes in its rightful place. So there's there's still a lot of that to go. Yeah, and uh, yeah, you know, and a lot of reading as well because I I've uncovered you know, a whole heap of books that I'm like, oh, yeah, i got to get to that one day. Right. So it's been busy. But mm. anyway, we want to give a big shout-out to Nikki Way Wrights from Australia and uh, she kindly left us a five-star review and has said, Hi, Valerie and Alison, thanks for the great podcasts. I had listened to a few on my Saturday morning walks to the dog beach with Goliath, or Golly as we like to call him, and was eager to go back 
and listen to all the early ones. Huh. Ooh. I found it fun listening to them back to back and hearing what you two had been up to week on week. For Val, travelling all over the countryside, well, that was pre-COVID obviously. For Alison, it was, uh, and right up to episode 30, it still is writing and writing and writing. <laughs> and good to hear that you're both feeling great every week. <laughs> oh, Gosh, that must have been a purple patch this in my life if I was feeling great every feeling week. Great. Wow. This, it was because I was writing. That's what it was. That's right. This was motivating too, making me start to write and write more, including this review. Looking forward to meeting you both up at the meetup in December because we said we we're going to have a meetup. Maybe Procrastipop and Val's cat could come along and me too. Thank you again <laughs> for a great resource for writers, one that they must listen to. <laughs> Imagine me bringing Procrasti Pup along to a meet oh, a meetup. Oh, he would just be beside himself. And also I would be entirely ignored, so I don't know if I can do that. Yeah, well, there's that. Mm. Mm. <laughs> um, all right. Thank you so much, Nikki. Uh, really appreciate it um, that you took the time to do that and glad to hear that you're having fun going through the back catalogue. Of course, if any other listeners have 30 seconds to leave us a review or rating on Apple Podcasts or the app of your choice, We'd really be grateful because it helps other people discover the podcast. Right now, let's move on to the world of writing and publishing. We also want to give a big shout out to Annika Molesworth, who has released her debut book, Our Sunburnt Country. Now, this is really cool because she actually did the Australian Writer Centre's course in creative nonfiction. And her book, Our Sunburnt Country, is out now with Pan McMillan, and it draws on her experience as an agriculture and environmental scientist and communicator. So she's written articles, she's spoken at lots of events, including TEDx Sydney, and now she's written an entire book. So and it, it explores climate change challenges that farmers are facing today and what solutions are needed to fix the food system. Now, the thing about if you are an expert in an area and you want to write nonfiction, or even if you're not an expert but want to write nonfiction, it's so important to understand that if you've got writing an entire book, the, the biggest mistake people make is they think that writing an entire book is just slapping, through, slapping together, uh, you know, 10 articles, 10 long mm. articles. Mm. But that's not the way it works because – um, you need to have a narrative thread that links all of the chapters that actually leads people through the entire book. If they're just 10 self-contained chapters that don't have anything to do with each other, well, not nothing, but if they, they, they're just like self-contained standalone articles, well, they should just be self-contained standalone articles. Hmm. Writing a, a long-form book is an entirely different approach and requires an entirely different structure. So I'm so thrilled that Annika found the creative nonfiction course useful and I'm so thrilled that Annika has this book deal with uh, Pan McMillan with a book that's no doubt going to be very, very relevant to, oh, you know, so many people because it's all about our food chain, isn't it? Well, yes, and there's nothing Very more relevant exciting. to me than our food chain. <laughs> yes. I like so to we'll focus put, on it. <laughs> we'll put a link in the show notes of Annika's journey to publication, which you can find on the Writer Centre, the Australian Writer Centre blog. Um, yeah, but you also have a link for us, don't you, Al? I do, and mine is uh, is um, 
actually, it's a little, kind of a little bit about, about what we were talking about earlier. So mine is a link from Austin Cleon um, mm. at austincleon.com, A-U-S-T-I-N-K-L. E-O-N. Um, now, Austin Cleon has a terrific newsletter. If you are interested um, in seeing what an excellent author newsletter looks like, he's got a very specific style of newsletter and it's really, really good. So I would recommend that. But this was actually an article that came up uh, on his website and it's called Relocate Your Darlings, which, you know, mm-hmm. is relevant to the relocation mm. of your furniture. Um, and it's a, he sort of addresses the notion that um, the writing advice, which is widely attributed to uh, William Faulkner, but actually can be traced, he says, to Arthur Quiller Couch's lecture on style from the art on art, the art of writing, which is basically, and you will have heard this a million times, that you have to kill your darlings. So basically, you know, the things that you absolutely love about your writing, you know, any particular section of your work that you fall in love with and find it incredibly difficult to move on from um, and that you are desperately trying to hold on to in a manuscript, even if it is to the detriment of that manuscript, the the, um, advice you have is that they have is that you have to kill your darlings. Um, But Austin doesn't think you should do that. Austin believes that you should just relocate them. And this is <laughs> essentially what what, what I uh, – it's kind of like what I do as well, which is um, that instead of kind of just deleting them, which is, you know, hurting and, and it can be very painful, he suggests you just open another file and then just cut the darling in question, being that particular bit of writing that you are so in love with that you think it is amazing. Mm. Um, and – put it into a different file, save it, call it my darlings if you want to, call it whatever it is that you need to call it, put it over there, safe in a new house, knowing that you can come back to it any time you want and put it back in if you need to, exactly as it is, word for word. But also knowing, um, as I have learned over the years of doing this, that you probably never will. It's yeah. all there. It's yeah. waiting for you. You can use it again if you want to. It's kind of just like sitting there in the darlings file, ready to go, but you probably will never, ever come back to it because you will learn as you go forward that in actual fact your manuscript is stronger without that particular darling or, in fact, those darlings in general. Um, Mm. So it is a a great piece of advice um, and the article is good. He has a whole bunch of different authors talking about, um, you know, what to to do with these particular darlings. so I would suggest having a having a read of that. Um, start a new file, relocate your darlings, close the file. You'll probably never look at them again. Mm. That's it. That's interesting because I, I can't remember which author I spoke to about, I reckon, three or four months ago who was talking about killing their darlings. And I say, oh, do you just put them? I said, do you just put them in another file? And he said, no, I just delete just murder them. Yes. Wow. And never to be seen again. It's like Mm. burn the boats, right? There's no way. There's no way back. Mm. Yeah. I I was horrified by. Well, I, you know, like that's, that's just a very, um, you know, a very, there's a certainty about writing there, I guess. If you, Mm. if you delete it, you know, it's never coming back. But I, I mean, I know mine are never coming back, but I do like the idea that they could. 
if I wanted yes. them to, or I might be able to exactly. use them somewhere else. And I have to say certain characters that I have removed from manuscripts have popped or characteristics of those characters have popped up again in, in different manuscripts or in different ways. So they don't, yeah, it just allows them to kind of disappear with dignity as opposed yeah. to, you know, just bleh, delete. Yeah. Put them into storage instead of Marie condoing them out of your life. Oh, imagine that. Imagine if you had to have like hire a storage unit for your words <laughs> that you weren't using anymore. <laughs> well, it's like a storage unit in your brain, right? Um, but anyway, yeah, okay, true. that's a that's a great link. We'll put that link in the show notes as well. Now we have a really cool giveaway this week. So our competition, we have three copies of. Apples Never Fall by Leanne Moriarty. Ooh, this is the new book giveaway. from the author of Big Little Lies and Nine Perfect Strangers. Are you watching Nine Perfect Strangers on Amazon? No. So, okay. Are you? <laughs> yes, I am. <laughs> Sorry, was that a conversation killer? That was Kill Your Darlings right there, wasn't it? <laughs> no, full stop. I'm not. <laughs> yes. I am watching Nine Perfect Strangers and it's it's interesting because it is Leanne Moriarty's book, Nine Perfect Strangers. In the, in the television um, series, it is set in California, but many of us know it was filmed around in and around Byron Bay. So they've got all of these scenes that are meant to be the countryside of California, but clearly there's eucalyptus trees, and, you know, an unmistakable <laughs> New South Wales landscape. There are eucalyptus in California, apparently. No, but it looks so Australian to me. Yeah, it looks so New South Wales to me. Yeah. Um, But, you know, all the characters have – all the actors have American accents and um, I've been frantically Googling because they stay in this beautiful – uh, wellness re- retreat and I'm like oh my goodness I want to go there I've discovered it's some kind of yoga retreat up in Byron but anyway I digress the you, new did, you really did that was like that wasn't Sorry. just a digression that was a whole trip to the country on the weekend yes <laughs> oh my god the new book is called apples never fall from the outside the Delaney's appear to be an enviably contented family even after all these years former tennis coaches joy and stan are still winning tournaments and now they've sold the family business they have all the time in the world to learn how to relax their four adult children are busy living their own lives and while it could be argued they never quite achieved their destinies no one ever says that out loud but now joy delaney has disappeared and her children are re-examining their parents marriage and their family history with fresh frightened eyes is her disappearance related to their mysterious house guest from last year or were things never as rosy as they seemed in the Delaney household? Ooh. Okay. So your chance to win one of three copies of the latest book by Leanne Moriarty, just go to writercenter.com.au slash win and follow the instructions. That's writercenter.com.au slash win. Now, Al, are you ready for the word of the week? Well, Yes, this could be the highlight of my week. There's not much else going on. <laughs> <laughs> All right, see if you know this. But you never know. See if you've heard of this one, Clary Hugh. Clary Hugh, one word: C L E R I Hugh, H E W. Clary Hugh. No, yeah. I've never heard of this one. No. Okay, so 
It's a noun and it is a four-line jingle epitomising a noble character. So it's named after Edmund Clarehue Bentley, who invented the form. It will usually start with the famous person's name and then something famous or infamous about them. So an example of one written by Clarehue, Sir Humphrey Davy abominated gravy. He lived in the odium of having discovered sodium. Now, here's one about I don't even the, know what to say about that. Okay. Well, say something about this. Here's okay. one about the inimitable Alison Tate. Oh, what? The books of... <laughs> are you ready? I don't know if I am. <laughs> the books of Alison Tate are really quite great, but when her thumbs are twiddling, she's only fair to middling. Oh. <laughs> oh I need a T-shirt with that on it. <laughs> That's hilarious. Oh, my God. I'm so proud of myself. I'm so proud. It's much better than your poo one from a couple of weeks ago. That's great. <laughs> oh, my God. All right. So, and that was the word of the week. This podcast is brought to you by the Australian Writers' Centre, a world leader in writing courses. Our course, Creative Nonfiction, is your essential guide to crafting a true story into a compelling, page-turning book. Creative nonfiction is one of the most popular genres in publishing right now, and it's clear to see why people love a good story. And if it's based on true events, they're even more invested in it. Perhaps you want to explore true crime, history, or literary journalism. Maybe you have a great idea for a memoir or armchair travel book. It doesn't matter what subject you're passionate about, this course provides you with a blueprint on everything you need to know, from how to structure your story and bring its real characters to life, to the kind of research you need to do and the techniques that will drive your narrative to a powerful climax. With over 10 hours of lessons and plenty of practical exercises to complete, you'll discover how to weave your true story into a truly great read. This powerful course removes the guesswork and breaks down the process step-by-step so you can approach your writing project with confidence. And because it's one of our online self-paced courses, you can learn in your own time with 12 months access to all course materials. Find out more at writerscentre.com.au slash creative nonfiction. That's writerscentre.com.au slash creative nonfiction. All right, so let's move on to our writer in residence this week. We have had a fantastic chat with Matt Murphy, who is the author of this great book uh, called Rum, A Distilled History of Colonial Australia. You will find out more about rum than you thought was possible, but it's absolutely fascinating and the way Matt writes it, absolutely just so interesting. He is actually a part-time historian part-time teacher, part-time fireman, (laughs) and also part-time author, Uh, a real history buff who has done so much research and is a great storyteller. One of the really gorgeous things about when I started uh, chatting to Matt or before we started recording this interview was that his wife got on the call because his wife uh, has been a long-time listener of this podcast and was just so thrilled that her husband is finally on it. So we're thrilled as well. So let's have a listen to Matt Murphy. 
Thanks so much for joining us today, Matt. Thanks for having me. Now, you've written this book, Rum, A Distilled History of Colonial Australia. And when I saw this book, I was very intrigued as to what the distilled history of colonial Australia was about, but also why someone would choose to write this book. So maybe let's just start first with, um, can you tell listeners a little bit more about what the book is about? Because, you know, why rum? Um, Why rum? Good question. Uh, I read a lot of Australian history. Um, Most people cuddle up in bed with, you know, the latest thriller, but I cuddle up in bed, you know, reading, you know, Governor Phillips' journal or Macquarie's diary, stuff like that. Um, And I wanted to write a book, and the word rum just comes up all the time. The word rum is everywhere in everything I read. So I thought rather than writing about Macquarie or writing about Bly or writing about, you know, anyone, I'll just write about rum and follow its trail through Australian history. Um, and how it got in the way of people trying to govern, basically, yeah. Do you drink rum? <laughs> funny how often I get asked that lately. Um, <laughs> look, it's it's not my favourite. Uh, I, I don't hate it. Um, funnily enough, we, um, I've, I've got some, you know, I've got lots of it all of a sudden at my house. So my partner and I have been drinking a bit of it lately, but it's not it's not my favourite. It's, you know, I, it's, I like it, but it, it's, you know, it's not my favourite, no. <laughs> how, about, how about you? Yeah. Do, do, you drink, do you drink rum? Do, I used your, to like, when... I used to when I was in my 20s, but uh, not so much now. Now, I think the other thing that's really interesting about this, um, that the fact that you've written this book, as you say, you curl up with <laughs> Governor <laughs> Macquarie's journals and you're into history. But yeah. I understand that um, you weren't into history when you were, say, at school at all. Sure. And And these days you are a... Well, a part-time historian, an author, a teacher, and a firefighter. Can you just yep. unpack all of that for me, please? Uh, there's nothing to unpack. I mean, you know, they're, they're not mutually exclusive. You can be, you know, I mean, I'm a full-time firefighter. I have been for 33 years, 30, nearly 34 years. I've been a, te- a part-time teacher for 15 years, I think it is. Um, and I write very, I write at my own pace, to be, to be frank. Yeah, I'm not, I'm, not, I'm not, I don't churn books out. Uh, this one's taken me six, seven years. Um, I write at my own pace. Um, I fill it in around everything else. Yeah. So you're a full-time firefighter. You sometimes teach, and you have already written um, a book. It called yep. Weight of Evidence, and yep. that is about the longest civil court case in New South Wales. So let's just touch on that briefly. What, yep. just for the benefit of our listeners, <clears throat> which case was that, and what in the world made you think, oh? In the midst of doing all the other things I do, I might write this book uh-huh. specifically on this court case. Well, it's, I mean, it's, it's an important question in, in sort of my development, if I can say, as a writer, because I, I, I tell people that I didn't, when I wrote Weight of Evidence, I didn't know I was writing a book until I'd finished. Uh, mm. It was a university, it was a university essay uh, back, like, like literally last century, 1999, I think it was a university essay, <laughs> and um, it got out of hand. Uh, then I did my office, my fire brigade officer training uh, after I finished my degree. Uh, then I did my diploma in education to become a teacher. But in the back of my mind, I want to revisit this court case that I lifted the lid on, um, you know, what, five, six years before. Mm-hmm. And so it wasn't until about 2006 that I actually started trawling through archives and finding, frankly, finding a lot more than I expected. It's an incredible court case. Um, it deals with um, the, suburb of, the suburbs of Newtown and Erskineville. Uh, the guy that owned them, he died a convict who he sort of did, sort of didn't have working for him, just assumed control of the land and sold it off 
to some big wigs. And then the, the, the nephew of the dead guy comes out and says, where's all my land? Uh, and there was a huge court case. It was massive. It took, I mean, it was, when back in those days, it took about, there was a special supplement in the Sydney Morning Herald just to deal with this court case in the wow. 1850s, which is, yeah. It was, but it's, the, the amazing thing, though, is no one had written about it before. I went looking for information, presuming there'd be a book about it. And I had to write one myself. And I, said, oh, I, I got to 80,000 words and realized, I think I've written a book. You know? Oh, my goodness. So what know. happened when you got to 80,000 words and you thought, oh, I think I've written a book? <laughs> what did you do next to make it well, into a book? Okay, well, the first, the, I have to say, because I said, you know, I mean, your podcast is called So Going to Be a Writer, but really I should be on a podcast like called, you know, How the Hell Did You Become a Writer? Because I had no idea. I literally, I literally when I typed it all out, and it wasn't really in book form, it was just all my notes, you know, there was 80,000 yes. words, give or take. But I literally grabbed a book off my bookcase and counted how many words were in it because I didn't know how many words a standard book was. <laughs> so I didn't, I, didn't, I didn't know if 80,000 words was enough, too many. I didn't, I didn't, I didn't not know what 80,000 words meant in real terms. Yes. Um, so, um, but then I, I printed it up. I, uh, sent off, I crudely, naively sent it off to some publishers. And thankfully, one publisher got back to me saying, look, we're not going to publish this, but this is fantastic. We're going to help you get a publishing grant. And so right. they, they helped me apply for a publishing grant for the Arts Council of New South Wales. Uh, and they, they basically gave me a check for $1,500, which I could then use to, you know, to, to you know, I sent my draft off with, a, you know, a copy of a check for $1,500 saying, if you publish it, I'll give you this money. Uh, and that's how I got it published. So I became a, I became a, a writer by, um, yeah, I, 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 I still don't know how I got here. Yeah. <laughs> okay. So when, when was that? Uh, that was published in 2013. Yep. Right. And so fast forward, obviously, eight years or, you know, well, you say that you've been writing this book or researching this book for the last six or seven years. Is that right? Yeah, it will take it, yeah. Did you know at that time it was going to be a book or were you just writing notes again? Oh, no, this, no, this I mean, this time I wanted to write a book. I, I enjoyed the process. I mean, I said, weight of evidence, I didn't realise writing a book. I, I, I really enjoy researching. I really enjoy not just researching, but pulling together you know, disparate sources and trying to put them together into some sort of you know, coherent mass. I enjoy that process, um, which means, you know, ultimately means writing it all down. Um, and so I just thought, I'm going to give it another go. And not only that, but my friends and family, I have to say, were pretty supportive. They, just, they, they said, they presumed you know, what are you going to write about now? And I just thought, I've got no idea. I've never really thought about what I'm going to write about again. But I knew I wanted to. Um, and it took about 18 months at least until I worked out, okay, this is what I'm going to do. Um, and off I went to the library and the state library and started, you know, delving through archives and old manuscripts again. Yeah, I, 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 I said it's a hobby uh, and I, I really enjoy it, yeah. Now, <clears throat> this book is incredibly well-researched. The level of detail that you go, that you go into – <clears throat> is is absolutely fascinating, but it is obviously in the detail that all of the interesting bits come to the service and you've woven them together into various stories. Now, yep. you do tackle it um, chronologically, more or less, uh, yes. but when you did sort of think, okay, ding, I've got an idea, I'm going to write about rum, um, <laughs> Where that's that's very broad. Um sure. When you went to the State Library or when you started researching, yeah. how did you – what was your strategy? Do you just dive in and see what happens or do you kind of well, work out a plan before you start researching? I, I had a rough plan. Um, I was going to – I mean, as, as you've got the book there, 
the, the, most of the chapters are based on the governor. So there's Rum versus Philip, and then Rum versus Hunter, and then Rum versus King, you know, you know following the, the line of governors. But what I did was I, I um, very, very systematically, actually, very, very nerdily, um, got all my notes that I photocopied um, and uh, read them all, and then put them into piles, and on the top of each one had like a post-it note of, you know, okay, this, you know, thing here refers to Governor Philip or refers to smuggling or refers to this. And then I'd have a notebook saying that source number one refers to Philip and smuggling and piracy, say. Um, and then and then when I'm doing the piracy, one, I, I just look up and find out which articles I've got that refer to piracy and grab them all out to try to put them all together. Um, very systematic. I don't know how else, you know, I don't know how other people do it, but I mean, it was two, two milk crates full of notes uh, and an exercise book that was an index to all those notes. Yeah. And my, my backyard, with so, my, my backyard, my partner called it the um the car, the C A R R, the Center for Advanced Rum Research, because that's where I sat <laughs> in a in a lounge in a in a deck chair with a highlighter pen, just going through all these old manuscripts. Yeah. So it sounds very analog. Uh, <clears throat> when you yeah. say you had a whole heap of photocopies, is that because you got them off books or off microfiche? Because I can't imagine there were books of you know, things in the 1700s or whatever. Um, Yeah, what were the actual source documents? What were the types of source documents you were getting things from? Uh, I I mean, the, um, what's it called? The, uh, the, what is it called? The the documents of New South Wales and and the select documents in Australia, they've got some very important documents from Australian history. Um, and, and I, 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 you know, I, lot, lots of letters to and from were, were in them, so a lot of that. Um, uh, a, a lot of sources have been re, reprinted. Uh, there's lots mm-hmm. of journal articles. I mean, as I said, Governor Phillips' diaries, Governor McCoy's diaries, they're all freely available on the internet. They're all, mm-hmm. they're all sitting there waiting, waiting to be taken. Um, so mm-hmm. a lot of them. And, of course, the other thing is, of course, when something's on the internet, like Governor McCoy's diary on the internet, you can do a word search. You can just type in yes. rum and find, find where rum or find where drunk is. Um, and so, I'm, so that was that was you know, that, that's what I did, Valerie. That's what I did a lot of. Um, and I, what I, can I can I say one of my little secrets was I yes. when I when I'd scan the like say Macquarie's diary for instance, I'd scan it and I'd, I'd, I'd transfer it to a word document. Yeah. And then and then I'd, I'd scan for the word drunk, and then the word drunk I'd write it and, and so I could find it again when I've printed it all out. I'd drunk drunk in, in very big letters. And, um, and words like liquor or spirit or rum, I'd just write them in really big letters. So, so when I printed the whole thing out, I could actually just flick through pages and find the word drunk or spirit or liquor um, or brandy uh, very, very quickly. Yeah. That's great. So even for the stuff that you found on the internet, you would um, record that, but you would I'd always, I'd always print it out. I yeah. always wanted a hard copy because yeah, without my highlighter a pen, um, yeah, I, I, yeah, everything's a hard copy. Yeah, lots of lots yeah. of photocopying. Yeah, not very Interesting. Uh, no, <laughs> but then you kept uh, track of it with your exercise book, which was your yep. index. That's right. That yep. is really interesting. Okay, so you then kind of go, "I'm going to research." Mm. When did you know when to stop? Because you could go researching <laughs> forever. Um, I. Don't, I I don't know. I think I just got came to the point where I think I had enough. I, I, I don't know. I think I think once I reached Use the internet, two milk crates full. <laughs> <laughs> I think, to be honest with you, I think once. I mean, I got I went to the state library archives, uh, the, the state library, uh, a bit of archive searching, a bit of internet searching, um, lots and lots of stuff, lots of lots of um, uh, 
also looking for academic articles are now becoming online, available online for free or for, for small fee. Um, it's, it's basically when I've reached a, a reasonable limit of, you know, that's enough. You know, yes. but having said that, having said that, I mean, especially with my my proofreaders, my friends and family who proofread for me, they said we need more information on this, and so I just ah. get on this one again. So it's, there's a little bit of that. Uh, we need more information on this, or you know, you haven't explained this, you know, and, and suddenly, uh, in a couple of cases, whole new chapters. <laughs> I mean, the book has got 33 yes. chapters, but sometimes yes. um, chapters appeared only because people said, well, what about this and what about that? And, you know, you, you've mentioned this, but you surely could write a few more words on that. Um, and so back to the back to the library, I'd go again, or the internet, whatever the case may be. So, um, yes. yes so, you know, I mean, even now, as, uh, there's, there's someone found out recently that um, there's, there's, a, there's a recipe in the book for a, 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 a cocktail called Blow Your Skull Off. Mm. And... Um, yeah. And which, which was which is one third brandy, one third beer, one third rum, and it's a great little chapter. But I only found out two weeks ago that that fifty years after it was invented on the gold fields in Victoria, they were adding opium to it. You know, I could have added that, but I didn't. I, you know, I said this, the book could have kept growing if I let it if I let it yes. grow. Yes. Yes. Yeah. So you have done it in order of well, like the governors, as you said. Yep. Did you do? All the research first and then start writing? Or did you do it in sections like per governor kind of thing and then no, start writing? Apart from the bits and pieces I picked up at the end, no, I did it all in one go. I did. I read it all first, yeah. I did all my reading, yeah. well, 90% of the reading first, yeah. Okay, so you, you're doing all of this research. Can you give us an idea of how you fit it in? As in, you know, you had, to, you had a full-time job. You have a full-time job. You do a bunch of other things. So did you dedicate certain times to do your research or how did how did it work um i think well i said it took me six years um i think you've just got to find time i to to be frank i watch a lot less tv than i used to to be perfectly Mm. frank about it um i still like watching footy but that's that's about it i watch a lot i watch a lot less tv than i used to um yeah i think if you want to write something you just got to make time you know, um, the reading, you know, I could sometimes take my reading to the fire station with me and my highlighter pen. So I did a bit of that there. But mm-hmm. writing, you know, I sort of have to be in a nice quiet space at home where I know I'm not going to be disturbed. And, you know, I'd, I'd, you know two hours, I'd, I'd steal two hours here, I'd steal two hours there. You know, you make time. You know, I'm, I'm an old guy. I'm not out, you know, every night of the week like <laughs> I used to be. Yeah. I know you make time, but what I'm asking is, did you have any structure to it? Like, you did just no. decide on Sundays I'm going to just no. do research, that kind of thing. Not at all. Not in the slightest. Not in the remotest. Right. No. Full stop. Just, no. Just whenever you kind yep. of just yeah. Yep. Okay. So you're doing this for six or seven years. At that point, at what point did you know you had a publisher? <laughs> well, I um. The fire station I work at, I, I sent it off to a couple of publishers, again, naively, not knowing what I'm doing. Um, I didn't hear, didn't hear anything back. And a friend of mine said, you should be going to a, a publishing agent. And I thought, oh, yeah, okay, whatever. I, you know, how, do, how, do, how do you approach them? Surely you approach them the same way as approach a publisher. But I, um, I, so I Googled, found, you know, there's, a, there's an index of publishers, uh, publishing agents. Yes. Yes. And, uh, and I found one that was just literally around the corner from the fire station I worked at. And I wrote to her, and I wrote to her saying, "I'm in Balmain. You're in Balmain. I don't know how to approach a publishing agent. Here's my manuscript." And uh, she loved it. That, that, that was simply it. She, she, you she, mean you she, already wrote it? You you gave her the final manuscript? Yep, yep. Ah, uh, so right. So you approached an agent after you'd written the whole thing. Yep, yep. So what kept you going for six or seven years without having a publishing deal? 
Well, as I'm, I'm an Australian history nerd, Valerie. It's that. It's, <laughs> that's all it is. I, you I, would I, have done I, it anyway. Pretty, well, I said the thing is that's, that's the thing. I read it anyway. I was reading this kind of stuff anyway. Yeah. So I was just reading, you know. So um, and writing it down is just a way of cataloging it, you know, uh, initially yeah. at least. Um, and, and but the thing is, you know, uh, me a writer. I've come, I'm still trying to get used to the fact that maybe, you know, maybe I am a writer because um, <laughs> I really enjoyed it. I enjoyed the process of writing the book, you know. And I'm, I'm not trying to write now another one. But you know, at the time, I'm thinking, I'm just, you know, I just like reading this stuff. I write it down. Let's see what happens with it. But, you know, pretty it up the edges a bit and, you know, here we are. But, uh, you know, I mean, you know, so as I said, I, I, the whole idea of me being a writer is a bit, um, you know, a bit, a bit strange to my friends and family. I mean, I, there's nothing in my nothing in my genes, nothing in my back catalogue that ever remotely suggests I was going to write a book, let alone two. Um, but I just enjoy Australian history. And, yes. you know, and I, 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 but I, I, I enjoy the writing process. I might be lazy about it, not very um, disciplined about the writing process, but I, I enjoy it nonetheless, yeah. Okay, so after you do your research, you realise I've got two milk crates full. I've got enough. I feel <laughs> well, actually, like I've got I, enough. Can I correct you? I've got, I've got four milk crates full now because I've got weight of evidence oh, milk gosh. crates as well. Yeah. Oh, of course. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> but for this one, so you, you decide I'm, I'm ready to start yep. writing. At that point, did you put uh, – tell us how long that took till you got that manuscript done. And also in the writing process, did you – um, puts any structure to that, or did you just write whenever? Uh, no, again, I just wrote whenever, um, but, but I, start, I tried to start more or less at the, at, the, at the beginning. So I started with, I mean, there's a chapter on, you know, uh, the history of rum itself, how rum was invented, uh, yes. uh, the history of the word rum. They were, yes. they were, I mean, and, and to be frank, they were very two easy chapters to write, not very involved. Mm-hmm. Um, but it got, it got me going, and, and I, I don't know about a lot of other writers, but I find it difficult to start. Once I start, I'm away. Um, especially once I start a chapter, you know, I find it very difficult to start a chapter. Once I start, a, once I start, once I'm over the initial hurdle, I'm, I'm sort of galloping freely. I'm, I'm on the way. But um, yeah, there's, there's no structure to it. I just, um, I, had, I had in my mind how I wanted to do it. Um, yeah. Um, so yeah. I, again, basically, the main chapters are following the, the the roles of each of each governor, the first nine governors, uh, following their, you know, how rum meddled in their politics. Um, so I had in my mind how I wanted to do it. And, but I did, and then my, my mainly wrote it chronologically, yeah. Mm. yeah. How, and how long did it take to write that first draft? Oh, I'd, um, I'd say three years, three years. So three years because you were doing it kind of just in, you know, whenever time. you could, yeah. Of course, yeah, yeah. Wow, and, and that, that, okay. That's yeah. – um, and so uh, you – presumably you kind of um, – you already knew from the start you were going to do it chronologically, so it was yep. it was pretty straightforward to work through the chapters, so to speak. In that sense, because, of course, yeah, yeah. yeah. But obviously, within each um, period or with, yeah. within each governor, uh, uh-huh. there there would have been some eras that were more interesting than others, sure, um, or, or easier to research than others. What did you do to try and make it all fairly balanced? Um, yeah, that's, that's a good question. I think it's. A, I mean, well, put it this way: some some chapters are longer than others. You know, if there's if yeah. there's an interesting chapter, it obviously takes up more more room than than a lesser chapter. I mean, the last three governors are, combi- are combined into the one chapter because really not a lot happened, uh, except for well, except for the, the last the last governor, the, the, the two before him, not a lot um, transpired. Um, so it's just, I mean, there's, there's big chapters, there's little chapters, uh, and and of course Governor Bly, he gets what three chapters, I think, all to himself. Mm. 
Yeah. Mm. Um, so, 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 you know, if it, you know, I mean, if it wasn't interesting, if I didn't think it was interesting, um, I didn't write about it. And, um, and yeah, that's, that, that's really the only answer I can give. I, again, my proofread has come, come in very handy, um, you know, again, in, tell, in crossing bits out or, you know, sometimes just, you know, telling me this bit's boring, what do you write this bit for? Um, uh, or, 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 or conversely, you know, adding bits to it. Um, but that, that, that's it. I mean, yeah, that, that's all I can say. Is the, the chapters were as long as they were because that's when I ran out of, ran out of info that what's, was worth writing about. What's the driving motivation? Is it the just uncovering stories that you haven't heard before or is it actually compiling a comprehensive history of a particular subject? Well, the, the compiling is, yeah, I, I really enjoyed that. I, I said I really enjoy getting all these documents and trying to put them into a, you know, a, a, a neat mess. But mm. what, what did drive me in a big way to write this book is that um, looking at a much bigger picture is that I think Australian history, colonial history in particular, gets um, poo-pooed a lot. People don't, people don't realise how fascinating, how, how bizarre, how silly um, <laughs> our, Australian, our, our, our history is. Uh, some incredible characters, some incredible situations. Um, and I, I think a lot of people look overseas for history. You know, the, you know, the ancient Rome and the Greeks and, you know, World War I and Vietnam, all these things are fantastic and well, and well worth studying and writing about. But people don't look, don't look at home. Um, mm-hmm. So I really want to make a book that was um, appealing to people, that, that appealed to people, that made people sit, sit and listen and think, this is worth reading, you know, and our, our history is worth reading about, you know. And mm-hmm. so I, I wanted to make sure it was a book that people wanted to read and, and walk away going, wow, I never knew that. You know, that's yeah. if I if I had a if I had a that, that was my inspiration to write a book that the people could say I never knew that. You yes, know, that's about practically my own, every my second page of this book. I mean, every every page of this book is like oh, I never knew that. I mean, but that's my point. I think you know, so many Australians don't know Australia, which I think is almost mm. shameful. You know, mm. and, and, and let's, let's not forget, there's also two chapters in there about Aboriginal history, and uh, they're, they're, they're by far the two least fun uh, chapters to write. But again, they've got to be written. People have yeah. to know, you know. Mm-hmm. So have you already thought then about what your next historical book is about? Uh, the short answer is yes. I'm trying to write about gold. Uh, D-O-E, okay. Gold. Um, I, I, was actually, I was actually doing a little bit last night, and because now I've got an agent and I've got, you know, you know I've got a bit yeah. of an impetus, I've, um, you know, so I'm, I'm taking it more seriously now, not as, not as lazily as I was before. Um, but, yeah, it's early days. Um, but, yeah, I, I, you know, I'm, I'm literally behind my computer. I'm talking to you, and I'm actually looking at the, the, the milk crate of notes behind it. <laughs> <laughs> it's, only, it's, only about one, it's only about one and a half milk crates worth this time, so I'm a little bit disappointed. But, um, so I yeah, bet uh, your agent will want you to write it quicker than six or seven uh, years. <laughs> yeah, well, that's 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 the debate. Yeah, um, look, no, no, she's oh, look, she's good. Yeah, she wants it quicker. And and to be frank, it'll happen quicker than six, seven years. But yeah, she's. Yes. No, I'm not hurrying. I'm not hurrying for anyone's sake. You know, okay, I, I, I so, also I also think I also think if I don't, if, I mean, I am treating this like a hobby. I enjoy this. I don't yes. want to treat it like a business. I don't want to treat it like a money earner, like a business. I, I don't think that's the right attitude towards. You know, I've got two jobs that pay well. I'm not. I'm not. You know, I'm not. I'm not yeah. inter- interested in making being a you know, a big time writer star. I don't think that. I don't. You know, having but two you books might, that might happen unwittingly, <laughs> and that might happen unwittingly. Oh, look at the now, I'm not, yeah, great, yeah, let's go. <laughs> <laughs> so you send this off to this agent around the corner, yes. um, uh, and she gets back to you. What did she say, and and what did you think? 
Uh, well, I got so I sent it off, and with I think it was like two days later, I got that generic, you know, thank you for your manuscript. Mm. We'll get back to you. And you know, I thought, oh yeah, whatever, you know. I put that in the recycling bin, you know, and deleted it. And like an, an hour later, she rang me. Yeah. An like, hour. Yeah, something like that. Yeah, so, so, so two, about two days later, I got the, an email saying, thanks for your manuscript, blah, blah, blah. You know, you're on, you're on, you're on. And uh, then I got it. Then she rang me like two hours later. I was actually on the train at the time, coming back from school. Oh, my God. I was on the, I was on the train coming back from school, and she rang me and said, it's fantastic, coming to my office, you know, blah, blah, blah. Um, and she's, wow. uh, she's fantastic, yeah. Lynn Tranton, she's, she's, been, she's been very, um, well, just very supportive, you know, to, to have someone yes. in your corner. Um, she's, been, she's been really, really good, yeah. Fantastic. Were you? What did you do when you got the news on the train? <laughs> um, well, I, well, to be honest, when I because I was on the train, I was noisy. I couldn't hear her, so I didn't hear who <laughs> she was. And so I said, oh. I thought, I literally, I remember saying, "I'm sorry, I, whoever you are, I can't hear you. I'm on a train. I'll be off the train in about five minutes. I'll phone you back." Yeah, but then I came <laughs> home to my partner about it. She was, yeah, she couldn't believe it either. And yeah, now, as, as That's I said, I, when, I, when I finished, when I finished writing the book. I was confident it was publishable, but I thought, how do you know? How does little on me get my book published? How do I get how do I get it noticed? You know. Yes. So I'm you know, I'm glad she she noticed. Yeah. Yes. So, what was the most um, challenging thing about the whole process? Uh, uh, well, the most challenging thing, mm. to be honest, with you, I think it was just getting started. I mean, I think finding. Finding the tone, finding how, finding the tone, finding the, the voice. My partner calls it, of you know what what voice I'm going to use to write this. You know, it's it's written sort of you know it's a slightly humorous tone. Um, you know, but I think to, you know to to, to 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 find out how you're going to do it is is the most daunting. But I could have done it all analytically or you know like a lawyer or dissected it like I'm some sort of forensic scientist. Obviously, that's not very saleable. Um, I just had to make sure I was, I was using voice. It was firstly just me as natural as I could. But just you know what what I could get away with. You know, I, I didn't want to be a book full of you know jokes, full of dad jokes. Uh, I think I, my 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 brief that I gave myself was that the history's funny enough. I shouldn't need to make fun of it. The, the yeah. history, story, the stories do. Yeah, they 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 laugh out loud stories themselves. I don't have to help, mm. you know. Mm. And I just wanted to make sure that came across. So I, was, I think the hardest part was just choosing that style of how I'm, how I'm going to do this, um, and right. what what approach I'm going to, what approach I'm going to take. Because I said the thing is, I said, Valerie, I'm, I'm not a writer. I've never done a writing course. I, you know, I'm, I'm a complete novice um, when it comes to how to handle this kind of thing. Matt, you clearly know? you are a writer. <laughs> I'm starting to come to terms with that a bit now. So, so it's, yeah, I don't know. My, I, I called myself a historian a couple of days ago, and my partner was very glad that I used to call myself a historian. I thought that was, you know, she thought that was an achievement. Writer, yeah, yeah, it's yeah, it's an honour. It's an honour to be called a writer, definitely. It's absolutely so, an honour. What was the most rewarding thing about the whole process? Uh, look, to be, to be very blunt, in both cases, both the first, my first book and second one, was holding it in my hand. Yeah. To, to actually, you know, I mean, that's, that's so materialistic, I suppose. It's like, wow, it's actually happened. It's really actually yes. happened, you know? I know? Yeah. I remember when Weight of Evidence came out, um, I, was, I was literally in the shopping centre and the, the printer uh, rang says we've got copies here. You know where can I send it to? You? I said where are you? I'll come and pick it up now. You know I just oh. wasn't because I just I, I can't believe it. Actually, like, to hold it in my hand was a real it was a real thrill, just a real yes. real thrill. Yeah, yeah. Wonderful. I, and uh, fine. Have you any um, uh, interest? Because obviously these books that you have written are nonfiction and they're historical. Yep. Have you any interest in writing fiction? 
Uh, to, to Frank, uh, my, my agent wants me to write a fiction book. She said, the way you write, if you can adapt that to fiction, it'd be fantastic. And I sort of think, yeah, great. Thank you very much. But, and to be honest, I gave it a bit of a go. I dabbled uh, what, a year and a half ago um, when I first met her. And I, I just, I, it's, I, you know, I, I don't <laughs> Look, I mean, I've been speechless talking about it. I don't know where to start. I don't, I don't know what to do with it. No, I'm, I, I feel nice and safe and cosy in my little, you know, with my dusty notes. And my dusty yes. archive. And you know, your milk yeah. crates. <laughs> and my milk crates, yes. <laughs> yeah. So apart from um, advising, so if you were going to give your top three tips yeah. to um, people who are listening who hope to, you know, have their own non-fiction book, yep. um, potentially a piece of history, uh, published one day, apart from buying a set of milk crates, what would your top three <laughs> tips be? The, the, my, I got one big one, one big okay. one, and that is again, Australian history is just unwritten. It's all sitting there, not in dusty milk crates, but in dusty archives, waiting to be unearthed. Um, you may know of a writer called Tanya Bretherton. Mm-hmm. She she uh, she wrote the Suicide Bride. She just digs up fantastic Australian history stories and brings them to life. And uh, and I, it's my honest belief that there are there are stories like that just sitting there waiting to be unearthed. Head to the archives. Head to old newspapers. Uh, you know, you're aware of Trove, obviously. Everything is yes. so researchable now that the starting yeah. the, the starting blocks are there. You've just got to find them. And they said some, some incredible characters, incredible relationships between people sitting there waiting to be discovered. Sure, you've got to be patient. I mean, I think to be in a story, you've got to be patient, and you've got to look for you got to look for these things. As a weight of evidence about the court case fell in my lap, but it's an incredible story. And you know, and, and, and people have said to me, "How come this has never been written about before?" And I said, "That's that's my point." You know, and my, even my mother thought I made it up. She couldn't believe that such a story just existed. Mm. So my, my main thing is that if you're not being a history writer in Australia, it's it's there, it's all there. The other thing, is, of course, is that you've just got to find the time. You know, we're all yes. busy, we're, we're all live busy lives. I'm sure every writer you've had on here just says the same thing. If you want to be a writer, you just got to find the time. You know, like, like same as anything. If you want to play tennis, you got to you got to find the time to play tennis. You know, yeah. you, it's, it's, it, you, you can't say you, you can't say I want to be a writer and then not find time to do it. It's, it's, it's incongruous. You just can't be it and not be it at the same time. You know, mm-hmm. you're either doing it or you're not. Um, yeah. And, and, and well, I think, yeah, sort of gone. Yeah. No, you go. No, I think also you just got to, I'm, I'm trying to, especially with your third, but I'm trying to think like a writer as well. You know, mm-hmm. I'm trying to think of, you know, what would, you know, how, you know, I was going to say, how should I behave? That's a bit pushy, but how should, how should I, you know, how should I approach this? What am I going to do with this this this, mm. this thing I've got in my hand, you know? And I'm and I'm always I'm just, just out and about now, and sort of I'm trying to write about gold. I'm sort of looking for uh, inspiration or looking for bits and pieces um, that that might help. I'm always just scouring bits and pieces, looking for something that might be able to, I, I might be able to include, you know? Mm. As, as, you know especially it's when you're great, working for a museum, yeah. Yeah, it's a great process of discovery, isn't it? And also it investigation. Mm. And that, but that's I mean, as I said. I, to call myself a writer is a bit, you know, sometimes I think a bit of a stretch, you know, I accept it, but it's a bit like, wow, how did I do that? But the research, I'm, I'm, but I'm, I'm more comfortable being called a researcher. It's the research that, that I particularly like. Yeah. Um, the writing is, I might say, I'm not saying secondary, I enjoy, I enjoy the writing as well, but I think I'm more comfortable calling myself a researcher. It's the, it's the, the putting together of all these facts that I find fascinating. 
um, that I just find, yeah, riveting, yeah, yeah. Well, you can call yourself whatever you like, Matt, but I'm pretty <laughs> sure that most other people, especially after they've read this book, will easily and happily call you a writer and an excellent one at that. So thank you so much. Congratulations on Rum, A Distilled History of Colonial Australia. Great read. And, um, yeah, thank you so much for your time today. No, thanks. It's been great. Thank you. All right, there we go. Rum, A Distilled History of Colonial Australia by Matt Murphy. So, Al, what are you doing mm. in the coming week? That's a very good question, Valerie. Um, mm-hmm. What am I doing? Oh, look, I'm, well, I'm more of the same and hopefully actually getting to the right, because I'm, I'm just about finished with the admin, which means I can actually focus on what I really want to be doing, which is very exciting. Mm. And you? Well, apart from pick, playing pick up, put down, um, it's still it's that. T- <laughs> yeah, I know. Forever? There's a lot of stuff. There's a lot of stuff. Um, it's that time of year where you move your summer clothes and your winter clothes. You know, you swap them around, kind of thing. What? Or you make your summer clothes a bit more, more accessible. Moving. Oh yeah, I know. Wow. Um, and while we're talking about nine, while we were talking about nine perfect strangers before, because I'm watching the show. Um, Nicole Kidman wears this cosy and I've tracked it. I, I know that I'm never going to look anything like Nicole Kidman. I was going to say, no. I, I have this vision now of Nicole Kidman and when I lion Valerie Koo up next to Nicole Kidman, the similarities are just extraordinarily not there. Wow. Okay. Not there, but yeah. one can try, right? So she wears this cosy in – uh, in in the film, and I've tracked it down. In fact, my friend said, "Oh, that's this cozy," and I've got some to try on. So I'm well, going to see whether they are suitable. Whether they turn whether, you into Nicole Kidman? Yeah, whether they turn me into Nicole Kidman. <laughs> are they going to add a foot to your height? Because that's probably going to be the first requirement. Probably need more. It needs more than a foot for me to be Nicole Kidman's height. <laughs> I will report back as oh, to whether the cozy is that magical. Okay. I will. Mm. All right. Um, where do we find you online, Al? You'll find me at alisontait.com, A-L-L-I-S-O-N-T-A-I-T.com. You'll find me on Twitter at, at Al Tate, A-L-T-A-I-T. And you'll find me on Facebook and Instagram at Alison Tate Writer. And you, Val, where do we find you and your cozy? <laughs> You'll find me at Valerie Koo on Twitter and Instagram. That's K-H-O-O. And also at ValerieKoo.com. But also make sure that you join our podcast listener community on Facebook. Just search for So You Want to Be a Writer podcast community and request to join. It's free to join. We'd love to have you in there. And it's such a wonderful, supportive community. I absolutely love all the people in it. Um, and that's it for us for this week. Thanks for listening, everyone. And we look forward to chatting to you again next time. Bye. Thanks for listening to So You Want to Be a Writer. You'll find the show notes at writerscentre.com.au slash podcast or sign up for our awesome and often hilarious weekly newsletter at writerscentre.com.au slash news where you'll find writing resources, giveaways, competitions and much more.